What's good, Ohio? Host James Hayes, and this is the What's Good Ohio podcast, where we talk to the activists, organizers, visionaries, and good troublemakers coming together to make our state better for everyone, no exceptions. Today, I'm joined once again by Sarah Rodenberg from Policy Matters Ohio. What's up, Sarah? Hey, James. Uh, things are good here. Coming off of a long oh, oh why are you shaking your head? Oh, sorry. Oh. Not about you, sorry, not about you. <laughs> no worries. Okay. Uh, things are good here. I thought I was being chastised for a second there. Um, I thought I forgot something. Honestly, what it was, was I thought I messed your name up again. And then I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, no, that wasn't it. I was like, I just my notes. So I was like, no, Ro, Ro is right. Ro is correct. <laughs> Ro like Roe v. Wade. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> which yep. is what we're talking uh but yeah no things are really good uh coming off of the three-day weekend i personally don't like being hot so i spent a lot of it inside of air conditioning um but it was a very nice weekend how about you it was definitely hot you know uh but it, we had a great great weekend a nice very nice labor day about on saturday i realized that it was going to be a holiday on monday i i, I I, I never keep track of these things. So I was like, oh, maybe we should have some friends over and uh, pulled something together last minute. It was it was really nice. A bunch of our friends have kids around the same age. And so I um, just had them in the backyard playing, um, going down the slide and stuff. And uh, we had a sprinkler out there for them. So that was fun. That's what I like to do a lot. You know, it's below where I love to cook. You know, so I was like, this is why we bought a house. You know, then COVID happened. We didn't see anybody for years. So uh, yesterday felt uh, like how I want to live my life. Yeah, it does definitely feel like things are uh, becoming quote unquote more normal uh, in the sun. I feel like all the stores are really up in their Halloween game. Like the last few years were really bad. And now recently they're like, we're coming back with a vengeance. Like I think every holiday has just been even more, uh, more, yeah. like I said, normal. <laughs> No, you say the Halloween thing. That actually was a big hit this weekend. I took my child, my son Felix, we went to Lowe's and they have these huge Halloween like yard display things, you know, but they're like animatronics. So like they move. Some of them are terrifying in reality. Um, but we've, we've now been to Lowe's twice to see these things. Uh, apparently it's like a, a trend nationwide. People are taking their kids for the free entertainment. But we had to get some, uh, some June bug traps because... They were they were all over my yard. Um, well, yeah, so we're here once again to uh, do another episode of What's Good Ohio. On our very first episode of What's Good Ohio, we had Jordan Close with us from Ohio Women's Alliance as our first guest to tell us what's good with 3Pro. We heard from Jordan about the, about the signature collection process to get abortion on the ballot in November, all while Ohioans prepared to vote in the August special election. Now, as we're recording this in September... We've successfully defeated the initiative to make it harder to amend the Ohio, the Ohio Constitution, and abortion is officially on the ballot on November 7th as issue one. We're so excited to talk about what's good with Repo once again with Gabriel Mann from Pro-Choice Ohio and Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights. Welcome, Gabe. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. It's good to have you. 
Yeah, it's really, really great to have you, Gabe, and really excited to have a conversation with you about uh, everything that's coming up. Uh, folks get to vote on this fall. Um, voting yes on issue one yes. uh, this time around. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that um, in the, 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 through the rest of the show. But um, before we get started, um, diving too far into everything with the campaign, uh, I was just wondering, yeah, if we get the chance to, to let our listeners know a little bit more about you, uh, wondering, like, where, where in Ohio are you from and how did you get started uh, sort of working in the, in the world of repro and abortion advocacy? Right. You know, fun fact, I've never actually stepped foot outside the borders of Ohio. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't believe that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's people who, who could say that. Um, originally from, uh, from Lima, um, I, I am, oh, you know, Ohio born and bred. Um, it, it definitely feels like I've never been outside of Ohio. Um, grew up uh, outside Lima um little white farmhouse out in the country um uh moved to miami county to troy uh in the second grade uh stayed there all through high school um very boring suburbanite uh life there uh came to ohio state um uh it was a couple years uh, into my undergrad uh, and uh, went to go check in at the dorm for my sophomore year. Uh, and it turned out that the uh, young lady working at the front desk was also from Lima. Um, she grew up less than two miles from where I did. Um, we'd never known each other um, and uh, started dating her later that year and got married. Uh, um, popped out a couple kids. So, uh, <laughs> Me and the wife are just a couple of uh, Lima kids uh, who wound up in Columbus for Ohio State and never left. So that's beautiful. That's beautiful. How it's did you? Uh, you said it's not. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, having kids is, is is a lot. You know, beautiful. It's 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 all, right? all the things. All the things. It's, How old are your kids now? Uh, fourteen and fifteen. So yeah, sophomore and a freshman in high school. Uh, that that whole cliche of uh, you know teenagers hitting a certain age and then just locking themselves in the room and never ever coming out. We we are exactly there. That is not a cliche. It is real life. Uh, you know, someday you too will will learn this one when you suddenly hear the door click and it's like, well, we're not seeing that kid again until tomorrow. <laughs> that that that's us. So I, I've come to find in the parenting journey that most cliches are cliches for a reason. Yep. And uh, absolutely. It, yeah, it's you know for for better and worse. Um, well, how, how did you get involved uh, in in repro work? Uh, was that something you got involved in in college? Uh, no. Uh, somebody asked me that question of what was your first protest, and I had to stop and think about it because you know in Troy, Ohio, there were no protests for anything. Um, and and I did the math, and I realized that it was when my wife. Uh, when she was my girlfriend, uh, took me along to take back the night uh, sometime about that sophomore year. So uh, I was standing over with the men's group at a take back the night. That was my first protest. Um, other than sort of, you know, learning, learning the basics on feminist philosophy from her. And she did a decent job of, of trying to shove them into my brain. Um, I I did not... 
did not do anything feminist repro nothing uh through college i mean i took like you know the political science basic uh you know women's politics class um mm -hmm. uh set off on a path of union organizing did a ballot initiative uh was working as a legislative aide at the state house um and a friend of mine who had also been a legislative aide had gone over to planned parenthood and said hey you know we need somebody who can just like do websites and spreadsheets and build emails and uh this was 90 uh, uh 2000 uh 2008 so you know facebook was still new twitter was not yet a thing that people had twitter accounts for um so she's like and, and figure out the social media stuff okay uh, and, and that's what got me into repro was basically cause I was someone who could do spreadsheets. Um, and I was there for, for three years before I, I changed supervisors and a different manager came to me and, and said, Hey, you, you don't know anything about abortion, do you? And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I was just some political science bro. Um, and so she sent me off to, uh, uh, to the Planned Parenthood, um, in, uh, in Cleveland that performed abortions. And she said, listen, you're going to go, you're going to meet the staff there. You're going to sit in on some of their meetings. You're going to listen to the operators taking the phone calls from patients. Uh, you're going to shut your mouth. You're going to take notes. You can ask questions, but then you're going to listen to their answers and you're going to learn from them what it's like to run an abortion facility and serve patients. Uh, and I did that. And that was around 2010. That was kind of like my introduction, having been a Planned Parenthood staffer for about three years. Uh, that was my introduction really to reproductive health care. Um, and so, you know, in, in the past 13 years, I've just done whatever I can to learn as much as I can and apply it to the political science you know, that I got, uh, went to college for. Um, and now I'm like the weird repro guy. So it, it wasn't a plan. That's for certain. I don't know if I'd say you're the weird repro guy, but you are the repro guy. <laughs> repro guy um, who is weird. <laughs> <laughs> They're two separate things. They don't have to be. Right. <laughs> you're not weird for the repro. Um, so that's Let's fair. just get into talking more about like the actual landscape that is abortion advocacy in the state of Ohio. Um, right. So listeners wouldn't know this, but I actually interned uh, at Pro-Choice Ohio and Gabe You're was my supervisor. Rockstar <laughs> um, intern. Thanks. Um, and so it's been about a little bit over a year since uh, I left and we would have done... Um, like the decision or rather the draft opinion was leaked in like my second to last week. Oh, that's I right. think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just everything hit the fan right at towards the end of my my stay there. Um, so could you just give us a brief explanation of how that has impacted abortion access in the state, advocacy in the state since Roe has been officially overturned? Right. Well, you know, it 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 was a uh you know just shit hit the fan moment um it it wasn't you know it it was something that the other side had been counting on happening for many years um 
you know, that I I got asked the question a while ago when I was collecting signatures on this uh, issue one, you know, during the petition process. Um, I got asked the question, oh, you've been working on this for a couple months, have you? And I, I had to pause and I was like, I've been working on this for 12 years. You know, when when they introduced the six week ban for the first time in 2011, uh, the you know, the first question from the press was the Supreme Court would never allow this. Why? Why would you try and push an unconstitutional abortion ban? Um, and the uh, the answer that the bill proponents gave was someday the court is going to change and someday this will be permitted by that changed court. Um, and that answer at that time, I, I was standing outside the press conference room when they said that. Um, they, they wouldn't let us in, but we could stand outside and kind of listen to the door. Um, that sounded just, you know, a ludicrous answer. Um, and so when when finally we hit the point of the Dobbs leak and then the Dobbs decision, um, it it had been a decade of you know of of fearing this point and trying to do everything that we could you know i mean a massive coalition of people uh to to try and prevent that from happening um because it it was something that you know that people had uh people had had tried to to force into fruition and we'd been fighting against um you know, when when the six week ban was passed, there was uh, there was some protester who said, "Well, no one was doing anything, so we organized a protest," and and that caught my ear. Like, no one was doing anything. We've been organizing, uh, you know, hundreds of people to show up every year over over a period of eight years to testify against these bills as they come up, to organize thousands of protesters on state house lawns, you know, whenever we could get them out there, doing lobby days, fundraising. I mean, there were comedians who put on comedy shows. There were bands that put on rock shows to try and build awareness and raise money and all of that. And and it's been an enormous coalition. Um, so there was there was so much that happened before that point. Um after after Dobbs, uh, you know, the attention really went to uh first and foremost, the abortion funds, Ohio has four abortion funds, um uh making sure that they had the resources that they needed uh and that the clinic staff in place uh had whatever they needed to try and accommodate patients in whatever way they could. The uh, ban that went into effect later that night on on Dobbs Day, um, it it still allowed clinics to provide some level of care within the legal limit, so clinics were able to do that. Um, but then, it the responsibility just fell onto uh, the the heroes that work for the abortion funds uh, to try and serve patients in any way that they possibly could and and get them to providers in other states. So that's become a huge mantra of this campaign for issue one is no one should ever have to leave the state to get access to care. I've honestly forgotten what your question was. <laughs> no, I think that, yeah, you answered that perfectly. Just what the landscape has looked like and yeah. uh, oh, what landscape, changes yeah. have happened. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the the landscape is is that everyone is now aware of this thing that for so many years they said, oh, this will never happen. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, I remember interning with you and even just a few weeks prior having pretty much that exact same conversation of like, it had felt like people were acting as though abortion advocates had been crying wolf forever. Yeah. Um when really they were just observing what was happening. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, the moment where Antonin Scalia died, the, you know, the the U.S. Supreme Court justice who, who had a heart attack on vacation one day, the entire world shifted and it was, oh, wow. You know, that was 2016. Um, and And then it was, you know, hey, the dam broke, uh, you know, my, my, uh, boss, Kelly Copeland always referred to it as the backstop. And she's like, the backstop's not there anymore. We need to defend this at the state level. So there, there's, there's the real answer to your landscape question is the landscape shifted from being federal protection to the need to establish those at the state level. And that's what we're doing right now. Yes. Yeah, powerful. And we've seen a lot of, uh, folks around the country, in different states have success um winning these same types of initiatives and these same types of fights most recently in michigan just in the north um but as we look at the you know what's going on in ohio there's obviously a lot of misconceptions or myths surrounding abortion care what specific kinds of misinformation are you seeing from the anti-abortion side leading up to this election in november uh all of it uh you know they're they're trying every trick in the book um they're using every tool at their disposal um you know and and that goes from just just basics uh of confusing people as to vote yes or no um at, at the most simple level to uh you know to this this is why they've gerrymandered the state this is why redistricting is so difficult um such a difficult thing to tackle is the way that they refused to produce fair maps helped them keep in place an anti-abortion majority within the legislature for so long. Um, that helped them appeal to rural voters, extreme, you know, a, a you know, a Christian conservative, extreme Christian conservatives, um, to uh, to show that they were moving that one issue, and then that allows those same uh same conservative legislatures uh legislators to control the state's uh you know the tax system this is their two sides uh, of the same coin is keeping themselves in place by appealing to religious extremists and then uh using that power to control how they allocate state state tax funds um so it's it's a it's a decades long game that they're playing. Um, what they've done in the immediate future, though, uh, is things like the August special election. You know, putting that forward, trying to raise uh, the threshold to sixty percent. Thankfully, everybody came together uh, in a, a terrific uh, effort to defeat that on August eighth. Um, they they wanted to they wanted to raise the bar on. The people's ability to use ballot initiatives to stop us on many fronts, but they made it very clear that the first and foremost reason they were doing it 
was to make it impossible for us to overturn abortion bans. Um, they, you know, they've done simple things like just taking the yard sign design that was used in August, and they've instantly made a virtually identical yard sign that they're rolling out. So everyone's like, oh, yeah, that, that looks like the yard sign that I had. That, that must be the side that I agree with. Vote no. And we're like, no, no. It was no in August. It's yes in November. Vote yes. Um, all of these uh, are, are different tricks and tactics that we're seeing used against us, plus all the different misinformation about what issue one would do. Yeah, I've seen two specifically and this has been in other states i had don't know if i've necessarily seen it here yet but when people will bring up you know the incredibly terrible effects of these bans on the health of women i've also seen people claiming that like oh well it's the doctor that misunderstood they had it it was within their rights to make those choices they should have made that choice and like putting the responsibility back on doctors have you heard any of that type of misinformation yeah that's that's kind of a a a thing that Mike DeWine has been kicking around this, this whole, Oh, these abortion bans would be fine if we just had better definitions. And then no, 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 there's, there's no better definitions. There isn't a medically accurate way of saying that you're obliterating someone's rights. You know, this doesn't need a tweak. That's just a, an excuse trying to put that responsibility on the doctors. The doctors are terrified that they're going to be charged with felonies and sent to prison and lose their medical license. Um, what you need to do is not restrict their ability to serve their patients. You need to try not apply a you know political uh, a political punishment um, and call it that some you know somehow it's a solution. Um, yeah, that's that's something backwards that DeWine has been floating along. What we've never seen, uh, nobody's uh, nobody seemed to to produce, is what those better definitions would look like. DeWine keeps saying, oh, we'll have better definitions. No, you won't. Um, because the anti-abortion extremists that kept you in office and pushed these policies forward, they would never approve those definitions because those definitions would probably should include exceptions for rape or incest uh, and to widen the uh, permissible uh, times when an abortion could be performed to preserve the health uh, of the pregnant person. And Ohio Right to Life is never going to approve that language. Um, that was a question that we got many times is, well, which one of these, you know, there were 31 restrictions passed by John Kasich and Mike DeWine. And people ask, well, which one of them didn't have exceptions for rape? None of them. They never once included a bill that had an exception uh, for rape. But they always talk about, well, we should have it. Well, never once has any of your bills ever had that. Um, and and so when, when DeWine brings up this thing, well, we just need better definitions. That's just a bold-faced lie on his part. And also just to jump in here and claim that really all exceptions uh, are a bunch of BS because how often are we convicting people of rape and incest? How many people do not report it but still deserve access to it? Um, right. Yeah. Right. Just for the record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, no matter what was the reason for someone choosing to have an abortion for themselves, th that was their reason. That makes it the right reason. I don't get to say 
uh, you know, you don't get to say, Mike DeWine doesn't get to say. Um, something that I noticed was as we were listening to all of the testimony over eight years, um, no one on either side, uh, I, I sat through every single hearing on the six-week ban as it moved through uh, five different General Assembly sessions. I heard people who hated abortion. I heard people who loved their abortion provider. I heard people who made religious arguments on, you know, for and against. Uh, I heard people who made arguments about the impact on race for and against. I, I've, I've heard like every, um, every argument for and against this issue. I, I think I've heard them all. I never, ever once heard someone say, you know, when I was pregnant or my wife was pregnant, my daughter was pregnant, when, you know, my niece was pregnant, they never said when I was pregnant, what I really, really wanted was the advice and consent of my state senator. No one ever says that on either side. I don't care how you feel about abortion. You've never once said, oh, wow, I'm pregnant. I wonder what my state representative wants me to do. And can I get their permission? That's powerful. Yeah. And yeah, just thinking about it, like you said, you've heard so many different um, arguments for and against this issue. There's so much diversity across Ohio, just in terms of the types of geographies we have, the constituencies we have, um, you know, urban, rural, suburban, differences across race, you know, uh, all sorts of things. So I'm just wondering, as you're, you know, talking to Ohioans, you know, how does the conversation about abortion differ across these different geographic areas? How do you sort of uh, craft your your strategies to talk to different people um, right. about this issue? Yeah, I mean, it 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 varies somewhat uh, based on geography. Um, you know, rural communities. Um, I I think a lot of you know, and I'm from that little farmhouse outside Lima, so I count myself as a rural Ohioan. Um, no one wants government telling them what to do. And, and you know, and that that isn't specific to rural communities because people in, you know, in my neighborhood in Columbus feel the same way. Mm -hmm. um, so so there there are some core shared values that, you know, we're asking people to vote yes on issue one to keep government out of our personal, private family lives, out of our family's decisions. Um, no one wants government telling them what to do. Um, you know, you do have uh, some people who are um, very excited about abortion access. They're, you know, they've been fighting this fight. Their mothers are fighting this fight. Their grandmothers are fighting this fight. Um, they're charging straight ahead. Uh, there's some people that this is the first time when they've been asked to actually cast a vote, make a decision. Um, you know, especially the guys out there, I, speaking on behalf of the dudes, um, you know, many of us have never <laughs> had a say in abortion and, and and should not have ever had had a say in, a you know, someone's abortion access. Um, and so I, I think the the message there uh, is, is, hey, you know, you wouldn't want someone making your decision for you when it comes to your health care. So don't be the person who stands in the way of letting them make their own decision for themselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, the, the message does, uh, it gets tailored here and there for, uh, for different communities. Um, but there is a core value that I think we all do share. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
unite everyone. Don't tread on me. Wendy. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, the good old fashioned conservative mantra, you know, get government out of my life. Yeah. That vote. Yes. Sunday she won. Don't <laughs> tread on me. You know, that's it. It's not any deeper than that, really, you know. So looking forward, what are your hopes and goals for abor the abortion rights movement in Ohio? And besides voting yes uh, on issue one in November, how can listeners support your efforts to protect and expand access to abortion services in our state? Um, beside voting, in addition, uh, before you vote, um, <laughs> uh, we definitely need volunteers. Um, the Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights Coalition. Um, we, we've this entire process. We've had coalitions inside coalitions inside coalitions. Um, There's so many partners, uh, and all of them are looking for volunteers. Um, uh, people can go to uh, uh, abortionaccessohio.com um, or ourr.win. Uh, the, the dot win is a new, uh, URL extension for me, but, um, uh, there's links to volunteer right there. Um, we want to have everybody, uh, read the language for themselves. So read the amendment.com is where people can, uh, see the actual proposal. It's not long. It's around a 200 word, uh, constitutional amendment. Um, familiarize yourself. Just, you know, the, there are several bulleted points. The first one kind of gets to the meat of the meat of the issue, just, you know, everyone in the state should have the right to make their own personal reproductive health care decisions, including decisions on contraception, IVF, managing a miscarriage, continuing a pregnancy, or choosing an abortion. Um, that, that really right there is the heart of what issue one is all about. It's not that complicated. Um, it's not specific to abortion. It's anything you need to do regarding a pregnancy. Um, but it does include abortion because, you know, this is created in response to abortion bans from the government. Uh, we always welcome donations. Uh, the campaign is run through uh, the generous support of people um, all across the state. Uh, you can make a donation at any one of those websites I mentioned. Um, but if you, if you know uh, some of the partner organizations who are doing this, uh, that that you know listeners have had regular contact with before uh, pro-choice Ohio Planned Parenthood ACLU preterm abortion fund of Ohio Ohio women's Alliance um did I say preterm I love preterm the uh, the clinic up in Shaker Heights it's always tough when I start naming all of the member organizations because then mm -hmm. I gotta remember the ones that I've left out um, abortion fund of Ohio abortion fund of Ohio is amazing um uh if you're a physician signing on with the ohio physicians for reproductive rights uh they've recruited a bunch of organizations who've become uh, uh endorsing partners uh within the campaign volunteering with any of them uh taps you into volunteering for uh the issue one coalition it gets you the literature to knock on doors and make phone calls all of that's very important um but largely it's it's just talking to your friends and neighbors um you know we'll have yard signs coming soon we've been definitely been getting a million requests an hour for where do i get a yard sign so heard um mm -hmm. but you know if if you put the yard sign out 
mention it to your neighbors and, and say, hey, do you have any questions? And and find the website where you can both uh, um, point, uh, point to for answers. So um, beyond November 7th, uh, after we win this thing, uh, there's there's still a lot of work to do. You know, pro-choice Ohio uh, isn't going to just fade away um, after after Election Day. Uh, there have been some amazing partners have been doing amazing things to re reduce abortion stigma because there is so much um, so much necessary to to continue. Uh, making everybody feel more comfortable just with the topic. We understand that um, stigma surrounding uh, abortion options does exist. Um, there'll definitely be more tricks from the anti-abortion majority that's still in the legislature. We know that they'll be coming up with different restrictions, different tricks. Um, the only difference is that once we pass issue one, all of those restrictions will have to be measured against this new common sense framework that's put in place by the language behind issue one. And that'll be an important change in how the legislature and the court review all of those different policies. But they'll still try stuff. Um, uh, and, you know, and then supporting the abortion funds and the abortion providers in the state who were doing all of that work, especially, like I said, when Dobbs when Dobbs went into place and Roe fell, uh, you know, the abortion funds, the abortion providers, their work will never end. Uh, so we always want to be supporting of them. Good answer. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an answer. We're working on improving it. <laughs> and we'll improve and we'll include all links and everything as well. It can be found in the show notes for any of the organizations that Gabe just mentioned. So right. you don't have to go searching too far. <laughs> No, it's absolutely real. And I, I'll say I've been having conversations, starting to conversations with friends and neighbors about this issue. And I've been pleasantly surprised, you know, some, some of my friends, other young black men who, you know, I, we don't typically talk about abortion, you know, we typically talk about reproductive rights. Um, and just asking, you know, that with the, with the special election in August, it gave me a chance to sort of have some of those conversations. And, you know, you know, they're doing this because they want to stop the issue in November. And, I've been I've been really happy that everyone I've talked to is supportive of of the initiative and um some of, some of my friends who I know aren't aren't don't vote in every single election um that's going to be my main my main focus is making sure they actually do turn out to vote because it's one thing to support um right. it's another thing to actually vote um and right. uh to turn out but but yeah I think that's you know it's really really I'm really really hopeful um uh and grateful for you, Gabe, and for the whole coalition, there's so many folks, so many organizations that have been um, on the front line of this issue for so long, um, and and you know, the, for so long in Ohio, it's it's been it's been difficult to feel the hope, you know, that we could we could do something like this, and and y'all came together and you did some really hard work to uh, to get this thing on the ballot, and uh, it's it's bringing life to all of us, and I think it's going to put us in a really really nice runway to have some more success over the next over the next year um and so really really grateful for you and for coming on the show and and for the, all the work you've been doing for so long um you know like you you started off talking about when the Dobbs decision happened and there are folks you know saying we got we have to do something people aren't doing anything and um and you know i i know I, i've seen I, i've seen the work that you've put in that 
that pro-choice has put in that um, all the organizations and the coalition have put in over the years. Um, and I know that it's gonna, all going to pay off uh, this November, but it's going to take a lot of work. It's not going to do it by itself. And um, yeah. so for all of you listening, take Gabe's uh, call to action to heart. Uh, we need folks in the doors. We need folks making calls. Um, and we need we definitely need to get the vote turned out in November. Um, thank you so much for hopping on the show with us and having this this really, really uh, illuminating conversation. Absolutely. And I'm I'm really grateful for you guys for for continuing the conversation about uh what's good in Ohio. What's good, Ohio? Um because yeah, it, we're uh I, I appreciate all of the love. Uh it's absolutely felt. Um but we're part of you know a, a small part of a huge a huge movement uh to you know to move Ohio forward to make things better for uh, for families in every corner of the state, um, you know, and, and we saw that in August, just how, how incredibly massive, uh, an impact we can make as voters when everybody across the progressive movement stands up together and, and speaks with one voice. Um, we need to keep doing that. Uh, and so it does take everybody out there and we appreciate all of them and we appreciate you. We will be here to tell the stories and ask the questions and bring folks on. That's been a common theme, too, uh, throughout many episodes. The uh, All of us, instead of staying in our own separate corners that we focus on, coming together to make sure that all of the policy, all of the progressive policy can thrive in the state. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, that's that's why you know we we've come up so many times that how important issue one was, but you know having the the ability to run ballot initiatives um, gives us the opportunity to to come together statewide and and so yeah this November um, we we got to come out and get this done and and then obviously we're excited to you know you mentioned redistricting earlier and how the right wing the conservatives have used the strategy to maintain power really using. Uh, you know, appealing to a, a, a right, you know, ultra conservative, uh, almost theological movement, um, you know, that is uh, trying to uh, theological. Anyway, we can edit that out in post. I think you know what I'm trying, trying, trying to make the, make it make sense. Theocracy, theocratical. Anyway, they want to govern through the religion. Um, I tell you what, we got and, a whole faith community and uh, a, a pro-choice faith community. They will provide you with the right words. <laughs> That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, no. And and people people forget about that all the time, how many folks of faith um, uh, are actually doing doing the good work and um, and all that. But yeah, no, yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how, how all this plays out and how we're able to to fight back, um, you know, around things like redistricting and bring some sanity to the state house, bring some sanity to Ohio um, and stop hopefully having so many defensive battles uh, that y'all have been waging over the years. Um, put some of that to rest and yeah. uh, excited to see what y'all do when you can not just be on defense all the time as well. Um, right. How it's going to, how it's going to open things up. Yeah. Yeah. Us too. It's time. Thanks so much to Gabe for coming on our show and to all the groups working with the OURR coalition to protect our reproductive rights and freedom in Ohio. We encouraged our listeners to make a plan to vote yes on issue one on or before November 7th 
to ensure Ohio families have the freedom to make decisions that are best for them. The voter registration deadline is October 10th. So register to vote or check your voter registration today. Request your absentee ballot early if you want to vote by mail and mark your calendars to vote yes on issue one on or before November 7th. Visit whatsgoodohio.com for show notes and links to read the Reproductive Rights Amendment for yourself. Subscribe to What's Good Ohio wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you next time to keep talking about what's good here in Ohio.